Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Suzanne Kearns, Mom and Dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and this week, emergency arborist shopper. More in the look, listen, learns about that. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 writer, foster child advocate, and this week, getting ready for college visits with my son. Yay. Oh. So exciting. It's more exciting because I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how excited he is, but I'm so excited. Oh, well, today we are so excited to be welcoming Briar Doherty to the podcast. Briar is the founder and CEO of Career Organic, dedicated to helping professionals make career transitions at all levels. She has been a hiring manager for the past 20 years, growing internal and external teams and professionals. She speaks, teaches, and mentors across international markets, staying current on industry trends and hiring practices across the globe. Welcome. We are so Welcome. glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. We are really excited and we got just a glimpse of what you do in your bio, but we'd love the Briar 101, kind of where you started and how you got to where you are today and if there's any key pivots along the way. So I actually am from the the Northeast. So I grew up in the Poconos in Pennsylvania and made the trek to New York City to go to college. And during college was probably one of my best pivots was I was working for a New York City Health and Fitness Club and very quickly found my niche in being able to manage people, um, loving the client experience. And so I went from just being a front desk worker to a manager on duty, then an assistant manager, assistant general manager. And then by the age of 20, before I graduated and before I was legal to drink, uh, I was actually running my own crunch fitness in Manhattan. It's a 40,000 square foot facility. I had a staff of 55. And that to me, when I look back at everything I've done in my career was the first stage of me being able to grow and make as many mistakes as I, I humanly could at that moment, because <laughs> I made a lot. Uh, learning not to be friends with your staff, learning about boundary setting as a very young individual, as the youngest general manager ever for Crunch Fitness at that time, I was also easily manipulated into mm. working, you know, all hours of the day mm -hmm. and feeling like I had to overcommit both mind, body, and soul and put everything I had into the business and and often forgot about myself. So that was yeah. one of my biggest pivots. Um, after that, I ended up working with an organization that ran salons and spas across both Canada and the United States. And I was the kind of owner of the relationship with Saks Fifth Avenue, which was one of the vendors. And so I ran the salon and spa at Saks Fifth Avenue in Manhattan, so flagship location. And quickly grew into a regional director role where I oversaw the entire Northeast of all Saks Fifth Avenues. I did acquisitions and mergers with the company and different brands and brand levels. And that was in a great, a great experience. Again, still young in my career and yeah. taken advantage of and lots of fun learning experiences. <laughs> and when I shifted and I, I left Saks Fifth Avenue, I, I moved to Atlanta. And when I moved, I started my career over. I kind of took a step back, took a breather, was more intentional about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do with my time. And it was the first time being in a city where you needed a car, 
You could actually mm. go to the grocery store and fill your fridge, which I had never experienced yet uh, <laughs> because you could only get the amount of groceries right. you could carry to your apartment when you lived in New York City. Yeah. And so life just changed. My priorities changed. And I went through, you know, some different jobs and elevations and some really fun things that I got to experience. And then I became a mom. And when I became a mom, it's probably one of my favorite pivots uh, <laughs> of my career. I had the most blissful three months with my son and decided I did not want to go back to corporate America. And so that was really the opportunity I had to pivot and, and say, you know what, I'm going to open my own company and I'm going to start venturing out on my own. And at that point, I had had so many people coming to me for help with their interview, rewriting their resume, giving them coaching on how to you know, get to that next executive level because I had been there already in my career and had been coaching so many of my associates and employees underneath me that it was just a natural pivot. And so th those are my, you know, the 101 on Briar, those are my favorite pivots because yeah. they are literally my life lessons that every single thing that I've ever done since falls back on. Oh my God. Oh. I am story. so impressed by yes. you. Oh my gosh, the amount you've done. And I guess I'm personally super impressed just because the leadership stuff, as far as owning those management positions, that is something that took me probably about 20 years to get to a point to be comfortable with. And the fact that you were doing that in your 20s is so impressive to me just because that, that is not something that comes naturally to me. So that's it, amazing. It was definitely a learning curve to start with, yes. um, but great, great life lessons. Oh yeah. And yeah. I, I really relate to that idea of when you're in your twenties, not having the boundaries and being taken mm. advantage of, oh. I don't mean taking it. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely yeah. agree with the term taken advantage of and um, I agree with uh, that. not even knowing that it's happening yes. because I was so emotionally naive at that age, right. right? I hadn't really experienced the world and especially coming from the Poconos to New York City. Mm. It's a culture shock. You know, I, yeah. I lived in a very rural community. We had a tractor day, bring your tractor to school day. At oh, my that's awesome. So you go from that and then you go to Manhattan and, and I would never take any of it back, but wow, like yeah. the, the naive moments I had are, are often fondly looked upon now as moments that set me up for success further in my career. Yeah. I think about it a lot now at this age and when I'm looking back over jobs I've had and things I've done, I realize I was absolutely taken advantage of. And that I put up with a lot of things because I thought I had to. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, it was just a different time. Women were not, we were not talked to the way we're talked to now. Like no one told us you don't have to put up with that shit. Like use your voice, speak up. They told yeah. us, smile. I was told to smile in a performance review. And I'm like, I'm doing my job. You're not smiling in the meeting. I'm just right. doing my job. But it's so interesting what we put up with when we're 20 and maybe even in our 30s. Yeah. That, I mean, now we're just, not, I'm not going to do that. And as a woman too, in that early gym experience, oh. it's a very, it, and especially back when I was in this role, 
very male dominated industry. And I was one of two general managers that were female. And so I was 20 and female. And so, uh, I actually am like, I feel blessed to have gone through all of that and Mm -hmm. that I had the strength and the confidence to work through it. It didn't destroy me. It didn't destroy my confidence. It actually gave me more just because of my personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, it it gave me that challenge and I love challenge. It's, it's kind of a fuel for me. So I lucked out in that regard, but yes, 100%, just a totally different world. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, we could spend the whole hour just talking about that. I'm thinking about my first job. I mean, I literally, because I used to have to do timesheets for my clients and stuff. It was regularly 80 hours a week, Yeah, which is bonkers. And I was working in an advertising agency, which a lot Agents of the leadership worlds. there, because it was in the 90s. So the, a lot yeah. of leadership in ad agencies at that time were the people who were just coming up like in the Mad Men days. Yep. And it just trickled down into every aspect of the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping it is different now, which is why I really want to hear some of your insights as far as industry trends and hiring practices and things that are going on in the world today for some of us who've been out of the workforce for a while, maybe thinking mm-hmm. of relaunching. What do we need to be aware of that's going on out there today? <laughs> so right now, it's an interesting market because we're coming off of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's it's easier to explain if we kind of just go back just a notch. Um, COVID shut down all of our markets. And when the market reopened, there was a hiring frenzy. And what happened that I see that is a detriment to, to candidates right now is that in order to get that talent back, we inflated salaries, we mm. inflated processes that are not sustainable. And so all of these promises were made. And now this past year, so if you saw a lot of the, the tech layoffs and you know November, December, huge tech layoffs, um, big tech, and everybody was getting very, very scared in the market. But if you actually look at the trends, you would see that when we reopened the market, a lot of those tech giants were still in their innovation phases. They wanted to start pumping those new products out, new services, new features, when in the economy, we didn't have those consumers with that extra money trying to buy those innovative processes. We're looking at food. We're looking at healthcare. All of these you know, staples where you can't afford those, you're not going to be purchasing anything extra. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of those layoffs had to do with those teams, those innovation teams, those strategic operations teams. And now we're starting to level out and we're starting to course correct. So organizations are looking at their budgets a bit more closely because they understand the consumer market, right? It's been a year. So we've been able to assess that as organizations. And so I'm seeing more hiring happen, but they're taking their time now. They're not rushing through the interview process, which they were before. So you could apply and two weeks later be in a new role because everyone needed workers. So now it's a longer process. I'm seeing right now between four and five weeks for a candidate pipeline to happen. Meaning Mm. if you apply today, you may not get a response from that application for the next four weeks, whether you're even moving on in the candidate process or the hiring process with that talent acquisition team. And so when I see that trend happen, 
everybody in the market needs to be a lot more intentional about how they're applying, what their brand looks like, and then what's mm -hmm. the strategy to stay motivated when this is happening. Oh, that's good for you to know, Suzanne, since you're actively sending applications. <laughs> Did you see out. me? I was looking down. <laughs> I, I saw you writing notes. Note. Because that is, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm thinking. But you know, so, for example, if someone uh, who is a co host on this podcast is sending out resumes <laughs> and considering doing some roles. So, I mean, I don't even know what I'm expecting because we should know from our writer roles that, you know, you can submit proposals or whatever and just never hear back. So it, I sure. don't expect to send out a resume and like someone's just been sitting there waiting for it. Um, but Depends so, on the size of the company. Depends. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That's the other thing. If you're looking like on Indeed or any of those places, sometimes they say this role was posted 14 days ago or 30 days ago, like if it's a role that's 30 days ago, like I haven't even been looking at those, but it sounds like if it's still listed there, that it's still open. Um, is... I do have, I do have a tip on that one. Okay. So, Ooh, I like tips. So I, I work with a lot of professionals on a daily basis. So I get a lot of feedback, right? Direct from the market and hiring teams because it is taking a lot longer. And a lot of companies have cut their recruitment staff, right? So you have less people mm -hmm. trying to fill more roles with right. more candidates in the market, right? Because we have a um, hybrid and remote roles now. So you've opened up the demographic of who mm. can actually apply to these roles. So a role of 200 applicants might be getting 1,000 applicants now. Mm. So we have to think about the numbers. And so as an organization that hires, right, I'm a, I'm an active hiring manager I've been for years, but in my organization, I know that we run first round shortlists, right? So if we get 200 applicants and we're shortlisting them, we might come up with 40 people from that 200 that actually fit the job description. Mm. So that's a big point is yeah. because of the, the want and desire to have a remote or hybrid role, a lot more people are applying to roles. They just don't. So there's that first vetting process. Mm -hmm. So you have to think if we if we go down to 40 people for that role and then maybe 10 of them are going to get the interview, if none of those 10 pan out, they're going back to the applicant pool. If 100 more applicants came in, you are now in that consideration pool where you mm -hmm. have already been kind of taken out of that if you applied within that first month round. So I'm a big fan of going after those roles that have been sitting there because you don't know where they are in that applicant pool process. Okay. So why would you miss out on that? The worst that can happen is you never hear from the company again. The best that can happen is that you make it into that second shortlist round. Yeah. yeah. They might be even more desperate. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, or on the other side, the, the silver lining of that is that when you've gone through that first interview process, you know even more as an employer, who you want and who you don't want. And so yeah. you start refining those attributes mm -hmm. you're looking for. It makes it a lot easier. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why didn't we schedule so you for three hours? <laughs> right? And this is something else we were back. thinking about. And I think this is the perfect like lead in to that. Suzanne maybe has been worrying about some of the wrong things. So what do you see? I'm just going to call you out, Suzanne. But what are you seeing that job seekers might be spending too much time worrying about and 
conversely, what are they not worrying about enough now that this great, process great looks so different? So, so I would say where I see a lot of candidates go wrong and lose motivation because of it is that a lot of coaches in the industry will say, well, you got to go after the companies you want to target and you have to like refine your search. And, and what mm -hmm. happens is that there's a hyper focus on that first and foremost. And what I see is when a candidate is, so a mom, for instance, you're re-entering the candidate pool and, and like job market, you might not have confidence yet. You might not have, you know, how do my skills from the past translate, right? So there's, there's a lot of ambiguity going into it. And so asking someone like that, or even a, a military transition, any of these transitions that are like 180, right? From stop to start and starting mm -hmm. again, they come with that ambiguity and, and of confidence and lack of clarity on where you're actually headed and how it all works. So I think refining too much creates such a tiny pool that you can apply to. And so I hear often, well, I only applied to two roles this week because I only found two roles that really speak to the company, to the role, mm. to the mission of the product that they serve. And so they're on like a 12-month application stream if, if that's the approach versus just starting with a much larger scope. And, and I say this not to take away from intention of company or product or purpose, right. but to understand that culture does not always come from the top and actually lead all the way to the bottom, right? You can have a, a company that is well known for their culture and get on a really crap team mm -hmm. and, and it'd be yeah. not a great fit. And so because I've seen a lot of that and I've done a lot of personal like executive coaching with people that are over it, like I was sold on a lie and I have a lot of those conversations. I know that if you open up the scope of your, your search, you're going to be able to interview against that culture. You're going to have more interviews. You're going to have more interaction with recruiters and all of those tiny interactions are what create that traction and momentum. And so I go for the momentum first, because I know when you're in a career transition, it's just, it's crappy. You know, it's like, ah, I don't know half the stuff going on. I don't know. Oh, I don't know about my resume. I don't know about LinkedIn. I don't know if I should be posting this. What do I say to the recruiter when they, they come back to me? There are so many questions. And so create that momentum, get a little bit of that confidence back. And how do you do that? You create a wider scope. And so to the question of what do you want to pay attention to, you want to pay attention to first and foremost, what is it that you want to go after? And, and I often mm -hmm. think about it from this perspective is we have a lot of teachers right now that are mm -hmm. jumping ship. Yeah, I do. want out of academia. And I say teachers, and, and that is a broad term. I'm not talking just K through 12. I'm talking college higher, like all mm -hmm. higher ed, literally yep. from graduate programs, certification programs, all of this. And the first question is, what do I do with this skill set? And yeah. so if I were talking to the mass majority of, of candidates out there or potential candidates, right? People that are thinking about making this career transition, it's to map out your skill set that you most enjoy. So what do you gravitate toward most? Because when you get to that interview and when you get to that networking round, when you can speak passionately 
about what you're going to be doing for an organization mm-hmm. and you speak confidently about that skill set, you're going to have the upper hand. If you go for the skills that you're like, I think these work, but I'm not really sure about how to talk about them. And you bring that to an interview, you're always going to get tapped out from someone else who came with that level of confidence. And so just so I don't read too much into that, because we have talked to coaches in the past and just I've seen this with our friends that, you know, women look at a job description with 10 requirements. And if we're missing two of them, we'll just be like, oh, I guess I don't fit that role. Whereas I think most men would be like, I could run this company. So so when you're looking at, for example, a list of 10, if you nail seven to eight of those, but a couple of them, you're like, "Eh," is is that something you still say, just go for, it doesn't mean that you can't speak confidently to those. My rate is 50. So so my metric is 50%. And here's why as a hiring manager, right? So I run both roles. So not only do we do coaching in in this industry for candidates, but I'm also a hiring manager. So Mm -hmm. my team is writing these job posts. We're part of that process. Well, think about this as an employer. Are you going to put the bare minimum on your job post of what you would really like to have in your your ranks? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to put like every idea that you could possibly <laughs> come up with that would be amazing if this person actually existed out there? Like, think about that as an employer. Yeah. What would you do? Right. 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 Oh my you're gonna, God. you're gonna put the mask. <laughs> I see amount. like light bulbs just like pinging so, over your head, Suzanne. I know, and oh, I feel like the biggest idiot because we do. I don't know if it's a an Enneagram Nine thing or a woman thing or a just me thing. Where if I see ten things, if I don't know exactly all ten of them, I'm just like, whoop! I guess I'm not the right person for this. Right. I'm thinking about all the jobs I didn't apply for. Yes. Okay, like, so, so here's why I have a 50% rule, because I know in the job descriptions that we put out for Career Organic in particular, we don't overshoot for the moon, but we do put the real life things that would be amazing for someone to have. Mm-hmm. Now, if I find someone who fits seven of the 10 and someone else who fits five of the 10, and I know the five of the 10 is going to be a better culture fit for us that five out of 10 might be the winner. Mm-hmm. It, it really depends on that confidence you bring to the interview, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so when I think about should you apply or should you not, the first question is, can you do the role? I don't care about the attributes. I don't care about the, the actual bullets you're looking at. Like literally, if I plopped you in there and sat you down mm-hmm. and said, hey, this is what you're accountable to every day, could you do the role? And if you're like, nope, Nope, nope. Like I need all the training. I can't do any of it. Then you don't apply, right? Because you're doing yourself a disservice. Because if another role that's much more aligned to you comes up in two weeks, you've now just applied to that role. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Right? Yeah. But, But if you're like, I could sit in that seat and I can do that. Well, I'd have to learn that and I'd have to learn that. But ultimately I can do this. Why wouldn't you apply? Because every yeah. single role has proprietary knowledge that you're going to have to learn. Yeah. If you hire an assistant tomorrow to run your podcast, they're going to have to learn, like, what do you use to stream it? What do you use to record it? Like, all of those things need to be taught, no matter what. But do they have the organizational skills you're looking for? Do they have the experiences of maybe working with moms? Whatever that is, mm-hmm. those are the core functions you're really looking at. 
but it doesn't mean the posting didn't have five extras just in case. Okay. Now I still have a little nugget something in here. You mentioned a few minutes ago about <laughs> if you're just submitting two resumes a week that you're looking yes. at a year long search. So again, I'm thinking of this back of like submitting book proposals or submitting article yeah. proposals or whatever. If you're looking for an agent, you're sending it out to, you know, 10, 20 agents and yeah, you don't expect right. to hear back from any of them. So yeah. is that similar when you're sending out resumes? I It is. And then another part of my brain is like, oh, no, you do it one at a time. And then if you don't hear back, you go to the next one, because that would be rude to apply for another job if someone wants to uh -uh. accept you, like kind of thing. So like There's where no in the middle? You've got a lot of self self-sabotaging dialogue happening in there. So uh, yes. yes. So so there is a, 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 a metric I can give to kind of start with that milestone because having those milestones and goals on a weekly basis is very important. It's actually what I teach in starting a job search or a job search strategy. So 15 to 20 is a good number to try and hit. And the reason is this, is that you've got three audiences you're speaking to. You've got an ATS, which is that applicant tracking system. Mm -hmm. So scanning your resume and seeing if you're even a fit. Do you have the years of experience? Do you have the right titles? All of these things it's looking for. And then it kicks it to the recruiter. So now we've got the recruiter looking at your resume. The recruiter has to decide whether or not they give you an email, they give you a phone call, and they do that screening. And then it moves to the hiring team, right? And so if you think about those two first gatekeepers, if you're submitting two and both of them don't make it through the ATS, you're at zero for the week. <laughs> now, if you submit, say, 15 and two get blocked from the ATS, you've got 13 applications that are now in front of a recruiter. And yeah. so if the recruiter says eight of those are going to be declined, you've still got five applications that are active, right? So, so numbers do play a game in this because one, we're working with a tool, right? Like an actual software system that that tracks you as an applicant. And then you have a human being looking at it and it's there's bias in that and what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. So you're not always going to make it through, even if you're a great candidate for that. So okay. 15 yeah. to 20 is a good, that's where I see a lot of people make the most traction and speed up that process. And Missy, I'm oh. going to go rogue here and jump around okay. with some questions because I think this okay. leads into the question that we had about resumes that are being read digitally by this system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had someone do my resume a couple of months back. And when I got it back, I was really surprised at how, not robotic it sounded, but it was it wasn't as conversational as maybe mm -hmm. resumes were back two decades ago when I started. So like, what is the deal with resumes now? How should people be writing them so that they can still convey a compelling story about their experience, but also, you know, not sound like a robot that needs to be read by the system? So I teach this resume writing, not only to my staff, because we have resume writers on staff, but also in the market when, when I'm doing workshops and, and resume writing classes. And so the approach is this is one, you have to have a skills section. So having a skills section, and it can be at the top, it can be all the way at the bottom, just depending on how much experience you have and what you want to showcase on that first page. And so if you have a skill section, what you can now do is utilize chat GPT, 
Okay. So if you're doing your own resume writing or you're applying to roles and you just need a little quick hack, you can put your job description into ChatGPT and ask it to pull out its keywords. And then Mm. you can look at your skill section and see, did you miss any, any relevant high level keywords, right? Because like we're going to have soft skills like passion and collaborative and all of those. That recruiter is looking for that technical skill set. Like, mm-hmm. do you have regional management? If, if it's a regional manager role, you need regional management, team leadership, uh, stakeholder engagement, right? Mm-hmm. And so running it through something like that can just tell you your gaps. But what you should not be doing is rewriting all of your bullets per application because you're never going to submit more than two applications a week at that rate. <laughs> right. So the, the concept is this. When you're looking at writing a resume, you want to, one, know your target. What type of roles are you applying to? Now, if you come to me and you say, well, I want to be an HR generalist and I want to be a social media coordinator, you're writing two resumes. Mm-hmm. Hands down, those things have zero to do with each other, okay? Right. But if you said you want to be an HR generalist or maybe an in-house recruiter, Those two can marry because of this for function overlap. So if you think of typical roles, you have lots of core functions with them. So if I think about operations in particular, it's probably the easiest to talk about. Operations is people management, budget management, process management, right? So like we have these like core functions. So you want to make sure that in your resume, the bullets that you have talk to the core functions of the roles you're applying to. And if all of your bullets, and I mean all, like you go back to your history and you rewrite them to be focused on one of those core functions. And I'll give you one very quick anecdote here. So if you think about a lifeguard wanting to go into PR, okay, (laughs) the one piece of being a lifeguard that translates to PR is crisis management. Right. So if you're thinking about that skill set and how to rewrite it, it's not that they had PR experience when they were a lifeguard. (laughs) Yeah. Right. But it was that they were able to handle information overload, be able to crisis manage a situation on the fly and then report on that to a team, to a supervisor, any of those pieces. Right. And so when I talk about translating core functions, that's what we're doing. And so a good resume has done that for you. So, so your question about like storytelling versus bots, I'm all about the bots in your skill section, 100%. Like get those keywords in there. Don't try and like create a narrative in the skill section or have long <laughs> lines. Literally, it's like a couple words for each phrase. Be done. Check it to the job description. Make sure you update that. But your bullets should not have to change if you do it from that perspective. Got it. Oh, okay. So while we're on this topic, I have a question that's near and dear to my heart and I believe to Suzanne's as well. What do we do with the career gaps? Like how do we make that get past the robot? 100%. So, so it's not the robot that's going to kick you out. It's going to be the recruiter, right? So we're at the second audience when we see gaps. And so my big take on this, especially because of COVID is put your gaps on the resume. So when we work with parents in particular, we'll actually put career pause and then we'll come up with whatever title is comfortable for our client. We put the dates 
And then we might have one creative bullet of, you know, curriculum development. If you're like, you know, doing preschool with them, um, it could be dedicating time and energy to the livelihood of a tiny human, whatever (laughs) really fits, right, that we can put on there. And it's just like typically one line, unless you're like house manager or doing, you know, part of the PTA or any of those pieces, you can put that in there as well. But you have to remember there's a ton of gaps. So we have people that were furloughed and laid off during COVID. So think about someone working with Delta. So you have the role and the end date, like that you were terminated in mass layoff from Delta. And we actually put that as another line. And so we will mm-hmm. put layoff or furloughed, comma, Delta, and put the dates. And then you put a bullet saying part of an overhaul of staffing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Guess what happens when you do this? And this can be like hospice care. It could be relocation. I've had people where they move overseas and now they're relocating with their partner back to the States Mm -hmm. and they have to take the year because it's like a whole transition and Mm -hmm. they've got to get back into everything. And so there's a lot of transitions happening like that and a lot of gaps um, for a lot of reasons. And so I think listing that and being a little bit vulnerable allows the interviewer not to step in it because you Mm. have to think about this. As an interviewer, if I see a two-year gap and you just try and glaze over it on your resume, I'm going to say, hey, what were you doing between 2016 and 2018? And you're like, well, my father died and I was taking care of his estate. What has now happened to the interview? How, how do you come oh back God. from that one as an interviewer? Because like I'm sitting right. here feeling really guilty about actually bringing that up. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. energy is now pulled down because you're like, now I have to explain this situation that I don't want to talk about. Um, the additional pieces, like if you had a child, you don't have to sit there and validate that. You know, right. that's just a part of your experience, part of your life. But if someone sees that, you're being very forthright and it makes it a lot easier to get through that interview process. And that's what I'm more concerned about because if a recruiter likes you and likes the experiences, they're going to give you a call. It's not going to be an issue yeah. as long as they know you weren't just laid off and never went back to work because that's the red flag. Is why were you not able to get rehired? Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what they're looking for. So if you lay it out for them, you're setting yourself up and them for success once you do get to the interview round. This question is probably uh, relevant for only me. But (laughs) so what if you've had two gaps? So like kid number one, kid number two, maybe, or like someone took a job in between caretaking. So that is what I do have on my resume. There was a couple of years, then I did some contract work, and then there another couple of years without any paid work. So does that then? You would put both gaps on there. However, mm-hmm. I, I want to I wanna think about it creatively, right? Because if you're doing, even if you're doing volunteer work while you're a parent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can limit the gap and put the work because it's all experience, right? And and this is something that I think women tend to struggle with a lot Mm -hmm. is if I wasn't paid, then it wasn't work. Yes. And I'll I'll put it in perspective. So before I got paid, I volunteered for a nonprofit and I was the acting COO while we were getting funding. I did all the strategic partnerships. I was having a lot of conversation. And the person that was the figurehead of the the foundation was a former NFL player. So 
I mean, he got us meetings with like VP of Coca-Cola sustainability. We were working with Chick-fil-A and I'm leading these presentations and meetings. Mm -hmm. Now for the first half of that, I wasn't paid. Yeah. Does that make that work? Not valid. Yeah. Does that make the experience (laughs) less valuable for someone else who needs help running their nonprofit if they wanted to call me for advice? Right. Right? Yeah. So remember, if you are doing something, even on a volunteer internship, returnship, apprenticeship, it goes on your resume and that supersedes the gap. Oh my gosh. I I mean, I can speak for myself, but somewhat for you, Suzanne, too. I'm pretty familiar with what you've done. Like, you don't have giant gaps. You might have long stretches where you weren't being paid. Yeah. But that's not a gap. You were always doing something. So I think that, yeah, I think learning to look at it differently. It's all valid. It's all work. That's right. Oh my gosh. We have so many more questions. (laughs) So many and it's 1145. I know. Okay. (laughs) Because, yeah, we do have to get to the look, listen, learns. Will you come back if we want to do a follow-up absolutely. on doing actually like interview prep? And then oh, probably absolutely. a little sprinkle LinkedIn. That we can schedule oh, that. Interview prep would be a fantastic episode. Yes. I think we could do a whole episode dedicated to Although that. I got really nervous that you might make us practice during the episode. <laughs> yeah, don't make us role play. <laughs> I, only, I only do that when um, I'm in my like group teaching session. Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. So Just we're saying de- it. I was like, oh no, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> we are definitely going to have you back to that. But mm-hmm. before we go to look, listens, learns, I mean, uh, we've touched on a broad swath of your coaching services and um, hopefully people will see the value in that as much as we do and how important that is to have a coach to help with some of that. So well, for people who, oh, I'm sorry. Really, really quickly on that note, sorry, I know you're and we can maybe no. edit that. But, oh, um, no, you're good. Just, you're good. just to give you a, a notice on that is um, we actually have this thing called the Job Seeker Membership. And I'm not sure if you saw that or not. So, I did not so see we have that. a job search support program and it is in a group setting. We run it through a Slack channel. And mm-hmm. so everybody has monthly access each month. It's just a monthly subscription model for our community to be involved with coaching, but at a much more affordable price point, as well as a group collective environment. And what we've seen is that a lot of people going through job search and and transitions, they don't feel motivated on a daily basis because no one else is in it with them. And so this model allows us to have daily interactions, daily support, live Q&A sessions, live weekly coaching in topics like interview prep, networking, how to start your job search, like what things do you need to do, how to find your innate motivations if you're making a career transition, you're not necessarily sure what to do yet. And so this environment that we've created has been really amazing to see the expedited success. So it takes a job search and we've had about 88% of our members so far finding and accepting job offers between four and six weeks of working within this community with us. And then for people who are taking longer, they're going through the entire job search process and really trying to refine what they want first before even entering. Mm-hmm. So it's been a an interesting dynamic that's been created because we've come together as a community and provided coaching at a rate that's affordable because it's thirty nine dollars a month right now that's for daily reasonable. access to this. Yeah. 
That is amazing. And um, what else do you offer for clients? Like how do people work with you if they're looking for something more one-on-one? Yeah. So we have one-on-one done for you services is what I would say. And so from that perspective, we do resume writing, cover letters, LinkedIn profile writing. And we do profile writing both for if you're looking for a corporate job or say you're a business owner and you don't want to lose the ability to attract clients, but you also want to be attractive to corporations. Mm -hmm. We actually write hybrid profiles for that Mm -hmm. particular situation uh, for LinkedIn Uh, We do one-on-one coaching where we're working with career transitions, you know, how to get clarity in your search. We do interview prep. So getting ready for specific interviews, generic interviewing, just like getting, getting those stories. We also do comp package negotiations. So if you get a job offer, how do we work through that entire negotiation process? And then I also work one-on-one with clients from executive leadership coaching. I do entrepreneur coaching where, you know, small businesses need to course correct their their model or really understand how to drive purpose and profit together. Yeah. And yeah. so we we work on just about everything on a one-on-one yes, basis. But we also do have that that group aspect as well. I was taking notes, which I always, we always laugh when we do that because we could just play this back and listen to it again. But still, I was taking notes. That's amazing what you offer. Everything, everything mm-hmm. from start to finish, whatever from start you need. to finish. That's and right. then even beyond when you get to be to the executive level. That's and right. so yeah. for people who do want to, we're going to have it all in the show notes, but where should they find you online? Yeah. The best way to find us is on our website, careerorganic.com. And we actually have a chat function on our website where we have live actual humans that will chat about your current situation. Any questions whatsoever are always on the table. We hear a lot of different situations on there. So that's the best place to both see what we offer as well as be able to get contact immediately with our team. Fantastic. Oh, okay. And then, yeah, we will immediately be following up with your team after this to schedule round two to yes, answer the rest of the questions we didn't. And get then there's to. also LinkedIn, you know, so, so my entire team, including myself is on LinkedIn. I am always very open and willing to hear from anybody going through a career transition or just even contemplating a career transition. I'm the only Briar Doherty on LinkedIn. <laughs> So if you type my name okay. in, I am the only one that comes up. Yeah, well, and for our you, listeners, Doherty is spelled D-O-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. G-H-E-R-T-Y. That's right. Yes. Doherty. Find it in the show notes for sure. All right. Well, as hard as it is to break away from this awesome conversation, and I'm learning I'm so, so glad much. you're coming back. I know. I know. I didn't have any look, listen, learns. We could just skip it. No, I'm just kidding. We are. (laughs) We're going to do the look, listen, learns. And if there are any listeners here for the first time, welcome. We are so glad you're here. At the end of each show, we just spent a couple minutes talking about some of the things that we are either watching or reading or listening to or learning about. And we do not like to put our guests in the hot seat. So Missy, you want to do your look, listen, learns? Sure. So I'm have been looking at this week my local bookstore, um, and it, this is nothing that anybody hasn't heard before. But it's really important to support your local bookstores. I have this amazing one by me. It's called Lark and Owl, 
and it has a little bistro and coffee shop attached to it. They do an incredible job of reaching out to the community, of trying to promote things from within the community. It is just a great place run by people who are really passionate about books. So if you have a store like that, I know it takes longer to drive over there and go than it does to hit buy from Amazon. Or if you go and they don't have the book you want, you have to ask them to order it. Like, I know that that takes a little bit longer, but I have been thinking about it so much lately that it's just, it's worth it. And the way I feel when I am there and it's just, it just feels good. And mine is a good place to work. They may not all be like that, but there's a great place to sit and get some work done as well, which is sort of magical. I love to work surrounded by books. Yes. So, yeah. So that is my look. And well, I have another look slash listen because I listened to it more than watched it, but Shiny Happy People on Prime, which is the Duggar documentary and talks about ILBP or IBLP. I can't remember the initials. This really fascinating cult, essentially, Um, and fascinating in the grossest way. Like it's pretty upsetting. The stuff I really didn't know before, but having grown up in a church there were some crossovers. I recognized some of that. And they talk a little bit about um, James Dobson and focus on the family. And that was a thing that in my Protestant life, I heard some of. And so I'm fascinated by religious cults and by religious unpacking and deconstructing and all of that. It's just something I'm working on myself now. So it's fascinating, but it's disgusting. Uh, I'll have to save that for when Chris is on a trip. That's one of the shows he won't watch with me. Oh yeah. Mark, I'm kind of interested in it too. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mark was like, what are you doing? I was like, I got to get COVID again so I can watch it. (laughs) (laughs) No, don't say that. Knock on wood. No, knock on wood. Uh, Knock on wood. And my learn is more of an ask. I need help with supplements. So if we have any listener out there who is a doctor or knows a doctor. Oh, you're going to get hit up by so many MLMs <laughs> right now. <laughs> no MLMs. I'm not buying in. But I, you know, I have like real life doctors who've said, okay, take this and this. And then of course I've done some reading and some TikToking and looking for the information. And there are so many supplements you could take all day long. I don't think that's actually very good for you. I don't think that's necessary. So I'm trying to figure out beyond vitamin D, which I am woefully short on. I never have enough vitamin D, even if I'm taking it. So beyond that and magnesium, which seems to be universally agreed I was going to say I'm a sucker for some magnesium. Yep. Yeah. And I've been taking it with zinc because apparently magnesium, zinc, and vitamin D are good friends. Oh, so it's like vitamin C and iron. They like to play right. together. Okay. Right. And then, you know, I'm like taking something for my eyes because my mom has macular degeneration. So I want to protect my eyes. And then I'm taking the omegas because women need that for their hearts and blah, 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 blah. Like, there's so much. What do I take? What do I, I have a really balanced diet? And so at least I think so. I should probably talk to a nutritionist, but I think I have a good diet. So what am I getting for my food? What do I need to take? What is too much? So if anybody knows, reach out to me and tell me. I would love to hear more. We should have a dietitian come on. I think we need one. Yeah. We need to find a good one and okay. get some help. And, wow. and that actually segues into mine. Good. Well, it's your turn. Ooh, What's up? What you listening <laughs> So my look, it was very interesting, is I've been doing a lot more research on seed oils and um, nutritional things for my kids because I actually have a very restricted diet. I had cancer in 2014 and 
I cleaned up my diet completely. Cancer went down very quickly after my surgery and all of this. And I reintroduced like carbs and sugars and things like that back into my diet in 2018 and got recurrence. And so um, I very quickly went back to my diet and literally within two months, the growth in my neck had actually gone down by 40%. And so food for me is like a very strict lifestyle. And so I do a lot of research, but it just came back where now I'm trying to incorporate my diet for my children Mm -hmm. because They'd have different needs than me and, you know, different reactions to different foods. And so I've been looking at, I do a lot of cooking. So I I cook all our meals. Um, We don't do a lot of processed foods, which makes it a little more difficult, especially in the summer and like wanting to go to the beach or go to the lake or anything like that. It's like you have to actually bring a cooler and things need to be set Mm -hmm. up. Um, But the, the seed oil piece and like what we're cooking with, even like our oils, like olive oil, you know, a certain heat. I've been reading about how they process avocado oil and like all the actual processing things. Mm -hmm. It's kind of neat because once you see what they're doing to the food, makes Mm -hmm. you want to do less of it. So so that's been like a lot of my reading as of recently. Um, Then I would say my listen, it's just this week. I have so much on my mind. And so I become kind of an insomniac sometimes when mm-hmm. like things are just, they won't shut down. And yeah. so I've been playing an audiobook of Pride and Prejudice oh, <laughs> every wow. night. And I love it because it's got this, you know, like really amazing British accent. Yeah. And I like the story. It's one of my favorites. And my daughter, my seven-year-old daughter and I have read the book together and she really enjoys it. How fun. And so I've been playing that each night. I can't make it really through a chapter, which is sad. <laughs> That's the goal. It right? like literally puts That's me out. I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, done. Yeah. Completely done, which is exactly why I'm using it. So that's that's my listen. Um, I love it right now. Thank goodness for those timers, or else I'd go. I'd wake up and the whole book would be done. (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's kind of how how I am right now. Um, and then my learn is we are trying to consider having my parents move in with us and creating an in law suite for them. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of research and trying to learn on. How are those spaces and what's the cost per square foot and what are the averages for building this and that and and trying to get my head wrapped around it uh, before Mm -hmm. moving on to, you know, builders and getting exact estimates and quotes. And so uh, I think that's what I'm dreaming of when I can't go to sleep is like, oh, yeah. No I was about to say, no wonder you're not resting. Like you do have a lot on your mind. So, so that, that's my my look, listen, learn. Oh my gosh, those are good ones. Yeah, and what mine you, will Suzanne? be super fast because I did not organize my look, listen, learns because I was addressing. I am looking at a giant branch that I listened to fall on my roof while I was eating breakfast this morning. And I am going to learn, I'm sure shortly, how expensive it is to have that removed. And I'm also going to be listening and looking at two whining dogs because they cannot go outside now because if this thing falls, they will be history. They, yeah. I mean, it's probably 10 times as big as bear. So, yes. So that is my look, listen, learn. I will be. I'm sorry. It's I not know. fun. 
I don't want to learn how much it's going to cost. <laughs> but... I think it, I mean, it's not going to be cheap. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think after, you know, during the freeze when, I mean, the trees around here, Briar, were like snapping. I don't know if yes. you saw any of that in the news. Like, oh, they I were did. so cold that they were like exploding basically and falling. And it was this horrible, loud noise all around us. And so we had, we had a very large one fall right into the pool. And we had a couple other large ones hit structures on their way down. We had a lot of damage. And we had another huge one that just landed on our patio, but it was really big. And then a quite large one on the roof as well. Like, it was a mess. And, I mean, it was not cheap to get help with that, but um, it's not as awful as I expected. Deductible, right? <laughs> right? Well, and I expected, I think I had worked myself up to thinking this is going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So when they gave us the bid, I was like, Okay, go please go take care of the branches. Like we'll pay you that. You know what? That's actually a really good point, just as far as perspective. Because to me, this is like a huge deal because I'm picturing like what it would involve for me to have to go up there and remove it for but you don't have all the time. Like, oh yeah, let me just get my saw and I'll just shimmy up there. And it's probably like nothing to them. So so yes, not cheap, but it was I'm seeing it through my my amateur tree. Well, that was mine too. It was like, how does one get a tree out of a pool? I mean, what? I guess now we just have this. I pictured it like an aquarium, you know, where fish are swimming around. Yeah. Like, things. I'm like, it's just an aquarium feature. We this just have just a tree in our pool now. I guess yeah. this is how we live. <laughs> my boys and my husband were able to haul that out with some help. Like, they got it done. But I'm just imagining the worst because Nothing I like was looking at it. Right, wrap it around, wench that out, and uh huh. I know. As I was heading in here, my husband has an office in a, above our garage, which looks straight at where this branch is. He's like, I think if I got a rope, like, so I, I was like, I'm going into a call, so don't do that while I'm in <laughs> there. Do that. I don't know if he was kidding or not. Hopefully he was, but I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of climbing ladders and using ropes by my boys and my husband, and it's so unnerving. We're not bonded and insured for that. Like, no, don't no. do that. It's scary. Chris worked with a doctor once who told him that anything over climbing up, I think it was either two or three feet, you hire a professional. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he, he was a, a back surgeon. He's like, yeah, it's just not worth it. Anything anything over this high step stool. Yes, yes. Hire someone proud. who is prepared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm already looking forward to the next time you come back. So I'm really excited and I'm so excited about the stuff I learned today. I thought I was so crazy sending out three resumes this week. I thought, wow, I'm really flooding the market. So just learning that piece of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just get ready. If you're smacking yourself in the head now, just wait till the next one when we talk about the interview because you're flooding the market with three. My goodness. Oh, no. You, yeah, you've got to send out 12 okay. more. No, I know. One. No. no. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Mentally prepare yourself for the next round with us because <laughs> we're even worse when it comes to that. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think there's probably a lot of listeners who had to, like, pull over to take notes or who are yes. re-listening to this one because this one was jam-packed full it really of great was. information. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. And yeah, we'll have all the links in the show notes, y'all, for anybody who yep. wants to follow up with Briar and get some more information about services. Thanks for having me. Oh, Absolutely. So have much. a great rest of your day. All right. See you next week, everybody. Or hear you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.